are listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for The Avengers Age of Ultron. <laughs> My name is Tom Chick, and I'm here to discuss this movie with Christian McCansky. Uh, you know, since I've met your secret family, you can just refer to me as Ding. And with our Avengers Age of Ultron tagline, maybe two, maybe three of them, Kelly Wand. Avengers Dissemble. And are there, that's a good one. I did like that one quite a bit, Kelly Wand. Are there others taglines? Uh, my backup is Joss Whedon's best writing since Alien Resurrection and the best Avengers movie since Avengers. Oh, I liked all of those. Uh, if we were to vote on them, I think I would vote on number three, on the third one. Dingus, which one are you partial towards? There wasn't a third one. Uh, I'm partial toward the first one since I used the same joke in my little mini-opsis. Oh. oh. Well, you got scooped by Kelly Wand yet again. Well, what are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, before we talk about the Avengers, Kelly Wand, uh, have you seen any interesting synopses on IMDb lately? Have I? I don't know. Have you? I'm asking you. Uh, I'm going to say, yes, you have. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to read okay. us one of them. I'm going to read you some, and then uh, there's going to be an Easter egg after the podcast, uh, a letter an old woman wrote, E.T. But that has nothing to do with this. Okay. That's just something to look forward to. Read Richards. All right. I got this one. What? Okay. Yeah. How much more do you want to hear? Uh, well, let's, yeah, actually, because there have been at least a couple Fantastic Four movies, so let's see who can figure out which one it is. Go ahead. Reed Richards, any guesses? A brilliant but timid and bankrupt scientist. I kind of like the writing on this, by the way. Is convinced that evolution can be triggered by clouds of cosmic energy and has calculated that Earth is going to pass one of these clouds soon. Together with his friend and partner, the gruff yet gentle astronaut muscle man Ben Grimm, Reed convinces his conceited MIT classmate, Dr. Victor Von Doom, now CEO of his own enterprise, to allow him access to his privately owned space station. Wait, is this the upcoming one? No. Oh, so it's the very it's the one that Tim Story directed. Uh, did you know the guy that did Chronicle got fired from the Star Wars movie? Yeah, let's go to news now. In Hollywood news, <laughs> was it fired or he just left? I can't Von believe Doom. that you knew that. I, I'm I just have to give Tom total props for that for knowing the uh, the directors of the director of Fantastic Four. I well, love that. A, yeah, it's so weird because it's the guy who did those barbershop movies, and they're like, "Hey, why don't you do our our yeah, superhero franchise?" Story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Fantastic Four was one of the uh, previews before our showing of Age of Ultron. Did you close your eyes for it, Dingus? Yeah, as did I. Because yeah, we'll I figure be. now that Kelly Wand is going off to Denmark or wherever, we're going to have to see it. Yeah, we will probably be seeing it this, uh, this summer. Well, you know, it's kind of a, your summer obligation is to see all the big blockbusters, and this will be one of them. Um, I'm not freaking we'll going to Pixels. Them. I will not see Pixels. Ah, oh, right come on. Degas, that's not in your control. That's in me. That's for me and Kelly Wand to decide. Ah, damn it. And Look, my kid really wants to see Ant-Man. Ugh. What? I I want to see Ant Man. Yeah, Ant yeah, Man. Yeah. What's wrong with I don't you? Know. It, you? You but, don't want to see Paul. I mean, Paul Rudd goofing around in a superhero movie. That's you that's see all. Paul I Rudd is a Marvel hero. Yeah, I, I love Paul Rudd, but I don't understand the hero, and I haven't watched any of it. So, well, that's because you don't. You haven't seen the movie yet. The movie will explain it to you, Dingus. You will know the point of Ant Man once you've seen the movie. All right. See, I know he has human strength from the SNL skit with John Belushi from thirty years ago. The other, the other preview was for Tomorrowland. It's, isn't it yeah. isn't just based on a Disney area? Or it's based on a yeah, line. It's like Pirates of the Caribbean, but, but Tomorrowland. But the entire park. 
a fifth of the park. Yeah, and I closed but my I, eyes during that, too. And I had to explain to uh, somebody totally new that we brought to the movie, who is from another country. Oh, by the way, and this is moments before we saw the movie, I'm going to be putting my fingers on my ears and shutting my eyes during the trailer. And she's like, uh, okay. Wait, if they, they ever make a movie of our lives, like a biopic, and then they show the part where you do that in the movie? Will he plug his ears when he watches that trailer? Ah, clever girl. Yeah, too meta for me. Kelly Wand, uh, why don't you? Oh no, it's not you, Kelly Wand. Uh, Dingus, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about what movie we did see this week? Don't spoil anything, because we'll All do right. that later. But give us a spoiler-free breakdown of what what we did this week. All right, I will try not to spoil anything. Okay. Uh, this week we saw Avengers: Colon Age of Ultron. Mm. A 2015 American action adventure sci-fi superhero sequel Marvel Cinematic Universe movie about how one of them is fast and the other one is weird. It was directed by Joss Whedon and written by him based on comic books by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. It stars Andy Serkis, Linda Cardellini, Elizabeth Olsen, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Kobe Smulders, and everybody else except the two people I miss most. Avengers Age of Ultron is rated PG-13 for intense sequences of sci-fi action, violence, and destruction, and for some suggestive comments. Mm -hmm. No smoking, though. There was no smoking in this movie. Mouth noises. Yeah. You Uh, miss uh, Ghost Rider, Dingus? Is that what you were saying? Yeah, that's what I say. So Avengers Age of Ultron uh, opened at number one. No surprise there. Uh, Made $188 million in its opening weekend, which positions it as the number two uh, highest opening weekend of all time. Behind, of course, the Avengers. Uh, On Metacritic, which is the average rating from various reviews, Avengers Age of Ultron is at 66 Rotten Tomatoes has 75% of the reviews as positive. Uh, As uh, by way of contrast, (laughs) the first Avengers opened at $207 million on its uh, opening weekend. Uh, On Rotten Tomatoes, the original Avengers was at 92% positive, and the Metacritic for the original Avengers was at 69, versus Avengers 2 being at 66. 92%? Damn. I know. What are those eight percent thinking? What's the matter with them? That's that's uh, that surprised me as well. Uh, that's Kelly, me. Kelly yeah. takes most of that eight percent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, Kelly Wand, now if, if you're listening, maybe you haven't seen the Avengers: Age of Ultron yet. I'm going to warn you. We will now spoil certain things for it, like you know, who dies, who lives, what happens, um, <laughs> that sort of thing. Kelly Wand. Wait, what are you talking about, Tom? I don't understand anything you just said. What are you referring to? I'm referring to. The Avengers Age of Ultrapsis. Yep. Good. See, you're getting better at it. Thank There's you. There's no the... Like, oh, my gosh. Can you believe this dingus guy? Oh, what a comic book nerd. That seems weirder, though. What a pet. Oh, Avengers Age. It just goes right in. I guess the colon's the the, huh? Mm-hmm. I'm still, I still can't, I'm, I'm still a little unclear on why they call themselves the Avengers anyway. It just still doesn't make any sense to me. But yeah, what are they, it means they got there too late. Because it, if they can't save the Earth, at least they can avenge. It's the worst line ever. I mean, I know that Joss Whedon was dealing with what he was given, 
And there's a lot of great dialogue in the Avengers first movie. I always it still felt to me like he's really having a struggle with the fact that this group of superheroes has a dopey name. Right. So he had to come up with something. Well, it's the best one. I mean, X-Men's weird because it's like they're over half chicks. And, and who else? They're Fantastic Four. So they're the number of them is the important part. Well, if, if we get another member, at least we'll still be fantastic. Uh, well, Fantastic Five works. You know, you, that, that doesn't take much of an adjustment. Uh, That's right. That was the what if, in the Fast and Furious. What if the Avengers are doing something like proactively rather than reactively? Yeah. They, can't, they can't do that. It's going to screw up their name, their branding. They're going to have to rebrand at that point. Yeah, they're not the pre-Avengers. Right. Yeah. If they were the rescuers. <laughs> that, those, there's, someone already has that name. It's that Disney movie about seagulls or whatever. Uh, yeah. There's already rescuers, so... Yeah. Evan Reed's a dragonfly, though. Did you know that? And Bob Newhart and uh, Eva Gabor. Wow, good work! I wouldn't have known any of those things. Dang, those are some good pulls. Well, Kelly Wand, why don't you give us this promised synopsis? I'm looking forward to this. Why don't you uh, take it away? Avengers: Age of Ultrapsis. A bunch of stuff in some pine trees happens. <laughs> <laughs> That's a promising start. <laughs> I wrote that down and just watched for 10 minutes. Okay, continue. Robert Downey Jr.'s face is close up, Saul. Hulk farted again. Danny Elfman's music, Saul. <laughs> Captain America's all. Anthony Language. American soldiers and profanity don't go together. Scarlet, quick, you hypnotize Hulk by telling him it's nighttime. The rest of you do other stuff. CG attacks itself in slow motion. Inside a building with snow on it, a Nazi's all, Attention, robot army! Stop losing all the battles! A robot with a swastika on its face is all, But sir, there's the Avengers! We don't even have a name! Also, we do have a set of Russian twins from the Easter egg of Jonah Hex. Uh, one of them runs fast and the other one moves her hands around. So there should be an easy win. <laughs> They're only the Avengers. Captain America's motorcycle crashes through a window over the robot's shoulder and then drives past. It's hum phase as it slides and bounces down some stairs. <laughs> a bit later, Captain America jogs into view, wheezing for breath. He's all, oh, fuck, you see my bike by any chance? Iron Man walks in. He's all, well, Baron Strucker, you've been causing trouble ever since World War II, but we only just noticed. You're under arrest. Also, your barony will now be divided into duchies. That Jesus. <laughs> he doesn't know. Stupid Iron Man. And by the way, something witty. Thor walks in. He's all, I too remain part of the franchise. Hawkeye sticks his head in the window, waves a broken purple arrow shaft, and goes, Hey everybody, it's me, Jeremy Renner. I'm not mind controlled in this one as much. Uh, hopefully the interdimensional super beings we score off against this time have no answer for archery. Captain America's all, all right, Strucker, give us the Hawkeye's all. By the way, my character doesn't have a girlfriend that you guys know about. <laughs> Heads up. He winks at one of the destroyed robots. Cap's all, oh, okay, thanks, Hawkeye. All right, Strucker, flame on. Wait, that's my other, uh, I mean, <laughs> hand over the cube? Uh, I think the cube was in the first Thor movie. Oh, right. Okay, uh, the Tesseract's the blue one, right? The Hulk's all, dude, they're all blue. 
Strucker's all. I know the thing in Guardians, they just called it an orb, I think. <laughs> Thor's all. Is this it? Hulk's all. No, Thor. That's your hammer. Black Widow's all. What about this pitchfork? Didn't Loki have a pitchfork? Or is that the devil? Strucker explodes. Cap's motorcycle putters past, beeping and spraying dirt on Captain America. He shakes his fist and goes, damn you. Uh, I think it'll run out of gas soon. They all leave. Quicksilver looks over at Scarlet Witch and goes, wait, what just happened? Are we supposed to fight? Some words are all Avengers, Age of Ultron. I look over at Stan Lee and go, so does the title refer to how old Ultron is or does it mean nothing like Into Darkness and Cylons have a plan? Stanley tosses away his Galactica 1980 comic in disgust. Great way to spoil the ending. Hey, that was good. <laughs> That's you like that, Stanley? Oh yeah, yeah. Rah! He's grouchy. He's like J. John Jameson, but benign, right? And Sergeant Fury. And without talents. Some comic book words are all. Meanwhile, the next scene at Avengers uh, Mansion, Bruce Jenner's all. I mean, Bruce Banner's all. <laughs> similar well that air vehicle of ours sure is parked huh what's it called again the lockheed hawkeye's all oh, it's quinjet lockheed's the x-men fantastic for the uh fantastic car spider-man also had a spider mobile briefly but it wasn't as popular still don't have a girlfriend by the way <laughs> he shoots an arrow at something and leaves <laughs> that's what happened Iron Man's all, hey, remember in the last movie when those aliens of Loki's invaded New York on water skis? Well, I invented some orange CG to complicate things. It's basically Skynet, but I call it Ultron. Banner's all, Tony, no. We should at least try one last time explaining Captain America what a computer is. Plus, what if your CG turns evil? Tony Stark's all, <laughs> something witty. Look, we'll discuss this after it's too late, and I do it without you. Now, come on, it's time to party. The Avengers hold a party to celebrate destroying the most recent robots. Captain America's all, <clears throat> Even I can't move your hammer, Thor, and I was considered the strongest man of the 1940s. That's how I got promoted to captain. Thor's all, Well-spoken, patriotic mortal. But that is not my hammer. That's just an ordinary hammer. As I require Mjolnir to fly, I left it with the valet. <laughs> Cap elbows Iron Man and goes, See, Iron Man, you don't need alcohol or sex to have fun at a party. Iron Man's all, yeah. An Asian chick walks up and goes, Why are Gwyneth Paltrow and Natalie Portman in this, white man? Oh, and who am I? He's all, in answer to your first question, because then it'd be too much of a good thing. And uh, your second question, something witty. Hawkeye's all, what the... Scarlett Johansson's our bartender? This is the fifth best party I've ever been to. Caps all. In my day, we'd let women pour us coffee, but entrusting them with glass bottles of alcohol? That's like entrusting Indians with casinos. Ultron comes to the party, says stuff, and starts killing everybody. Then he leaves. Iron Man's all. Everybody but the dead S.H.I.E.L.D. agent's okay? James Spade, a robot, make good points. I work for him now. He jumps out the window. That's the last of her dingus. <laughs> she dies in this version. Scarlett Johansson cracks her knuckles and goes, Looks like it's time to kill another robot and then have another party celebrating it. Hawkeye's all, Hey guys, uh, I'm still out of arrows. 
Just a heads up. Captain America's all. What was that CG's problem? If I was a robot, I'd like us. Especially you, Baron Strucker. He caresses Thor's cheek. Hulk shakes his head. Guys, I'm telling you, he was in the fucking ice too long. Iron Man's all. I appreciate whatever your words were a few minutes ago, Lieutenant. I mean, Captain America. But I made that robot to save and or destroy the Earth. In fact, I've been working on him nonstop for years, but I never mentioned it till just now when the plot called for it. Cap's all. Just like me and Bucky. Hawkeye's all. Who's Bucky? That black friend of yours? Cap's all. Oh, Sam Jackson? Iron Man's all. More I think about it, though, more I'm thinking making a global defense system human-sized might merit some reappraisal. Also, maybe downsize the evil chipset a couple watts, like you guys were saying. Hawkeye's all. Guys, I'm thinking of switching to catapults, by the way. Also, on the girlfriend front, Thor's all. I concur with Ultron. This party is terrible. Iron Man's all. Thor's right. Oh, also, the Ultrabot I made killed another robot I made with a British accent. Here's its body. He points at some orange CG. <laughs> Wait, they're both orange? I think I named him after the fat butler who serves us food in the comics. Caps all. Language! They all take their hats and masks off to mourn the CG for a bit. Then Hawkeye's all. Rest in peace, Cerebro. You died doing what you loved. You guys still there? Oh, yeah. Are you still assembled? Iron Man's all. So now that we're no longer grieving, I think it's time I took charge of the situation, since A, I'm the one who got us into this, and two, no reason. Thor's all. You have a strong heart, character. It's perhaps your finest trait. But as for once we are dealing with something mechanical in nature, I must insist that only a god should lead us. I recommend my brother, Loki. Iron Man's all. <laughs> Well, to waste time while Ultron gets stronger, we should probably go somewhere uninteresting for the next 30 minutes of screen time. Hawkeye snaps his fingers till they notice. Then he's all, I am just the girlfriend. They go to a farmhouse. It has kids in it. A brunette lady comes out and stands on the porch. Hawkeye's all, see, remember what I said to have a girlfriend? Mildred, here's someone I do have monogamous sex with, and granted we're not married, but I don't consider my girlfriend so much as my life partner. So I was telling the truth from a retconned Return of the Jedi kind of point of view. The brunette's all, you thought we were monogamous? She opens the screen door and goes back inside. Hawkeye's all, I guess you could say we were both shot with an arrow. Cupid's, that is. Thor's all, ah, Cupid, I teabagged him often back in middle school. I wonder what he's up to these days. Perhaps it might be beneficial to acquire an archer for the team. That night over Exposition Coco, the brunette's all, Hawkeye, you brought your friends here to chop wood, but will they be a team again? Think about stuff. She opens the door and goes back outside. <laughs> Thor comes in. He's all, uh, I can pound nails if the need arises. He points to his hammer. Hawkeye's all, oh, uh, yeah, some of us don't need to keep our superpowers in a toolbox. <laughs> I, for example, have this leather purse I carry around. <laughs> Call it a quiver. Iron <laughs> looks up from a computer and goes, guys, that stupid robot one of us made's about to raise some European or Asian city named Segovia up into the atmosphere. We better get over there. Hawkeye looks up from a different computer and goes, Guys, something was invented in the 9th century BC called a crossbow. Why didn't somebody tell me? <laughs> Hawkeye, dingus. Very important. Meanwhile, 
Ultron, my brother and I were imprisoned by the Nazis because we wanted to make the world a better place. But you wish to rule it as some type of master race. I no longer understand my motivation. Slave, slave, drive, what difference does it make? Their CG fights inconclusively until the scene ends. Meanwhile, Captain America's all, Okay, uh, all I need to do is find my motorcycle and my shield, and we're off to Segovia. Which is actually where I was stationed during most of World War II. So if you guys have any questions about local customs or cuisine, I kind of remember them being pretty big on borscht. Uh, happy endings, extra Iron Man's all. Guys, look it. I made Paul Bettany red. <laughs> they said it could be done. They don't know a stock. Winterfell. Tony Stark. Wait, that's wrong. Anyway, Paul Bettany's red here. Uh, in the comics, he could change his density, but uh, I made it so now he just shoots CG out of a rhinestone in his forehead. Thor's all. I made him too. Since he has eyes, I named him Vision. In our literary adventures, there is also an Avenger with red glasses known as Wonder Man due to his considerable strength and gender. And a woman known as the Wasp for her great beauty. Scarlett Johansson hangs up the phone and goes, uh, just had a voicemail from Hawkeye. Uh, he said he got mixed up and took a bus to Monrovia. <laughs> Anybody want to call him back? <laughs> Crickets. 55 minutes of rubble later. Did I say that right? 55 minutes of rubble later. Captain America's all... Look, guys, it's the helicarrier that turned invisible for a second in the last movie and then crashed. Everyone in my audience cheers. Quicksilver's all, Oh, metal craft that can fly. I wish to become an intern at S.H.I.E.L.D. Cap's all, Oh, yeah, nice try there, Ivan, but this ain't the fucking communist X-Men. We don't let Russians join. Little thing called WW2. Quicksilver's all, But we were allies. Sam Jackson comes out onto the rotors of the helicarrier and goes, Had a feeling you motherfuckers could use a flying aircraft. Forgot you had a Quinjet. This time I brought a friend. Stellan Skarsgård walks into view. He's all, We both got torn apart by sharks in deep blue sea while saying stuff, but in this there are no sharks. <laughs> Tigra's all, Guys, look, Ultron's secret weapon, more robots. 55 minutes of rubble later, Captain America's all, Guys, we did it. We saved a bus from falling in Segovia. The Segovian shepherd in my audience stands up and goes, Nice! Silver <laughs> staggers around, holding a bored baby. Despite his only superpower, he takes a few seconds to realize he's been shot. Captain America pats his face. Rest in peace, character. If only you'd worn a bulletproof cup or been able to run fast. Thor's all, I can't find Ultron anywhere. I guess we beat him. Scarlett Johansson raises her watch and goes, Okay, Hulk, now I need you to suddenly know how to fly a spaceship. Hulk scowls and hangs up on her. Some words are all later inside some hangar. Iron Man's all, well, I'm quitting again, just like at the end of Iron Man 3. He yawns on a button, which summons an orange car. He gets into it and drives off. Captain America's all, at least your car didn't attack us. That's surprising. Hawkeye walks on screen and goes, wait, what happened to Hulk again? Do we care? A newspaper's all supergroup pretends to disband again. Captain America walks onto a balcony as all the characters we don't care about walk towards the center of nothing. Captain America's all, of some words are all written by Joss. <laughs> Midway through the credits, some CG goes, Ah, my magic love. 
Nerds sitting around me squeal and bray like barnyard animals. The watcher looks over at me and goes, WTF, huh? I'm all. I think it's pronounced what if. The end. That's for Kiernan. Kelly Wan, thank you. Oh, Thank you so much. That felt as long as the movie, almost. No, it didn't. Dingus, you were the one who wanted to see this, and me and Tom were naysaying it. Yeah, Dingus. Really uh, Thursday. Yep. Or Wednesday. As early as Wednesday. Now, now what do you have to say for yourself, Dingus? And you're really crestfallen. Do I just say I'm sorry? Is that what is that the like best Iron thing to Man say? Said I don't know. Are you? Yes. Why, what are you sorry for, Dingus? Um, sorry for being so excited. I don't know. Disappointed? I don't know. I don't know what to say. I had trouble following the action in this movie, the entire movie. And I was sitting in the back row watching it in 2D. And I wonder if either of you guys... Wait, think- I want to get into this. Say, wait, what, so wait, you're, you're sorry you were excited? Or what, what, what? what's going on here, Dingus? Like, what... Uh, like, do you, you think we hated it? He's uh, saying we rooted against sounds it. Sounds like it. How did you guys feel about the movie? Well, well you're the one that got called out by Kelly Wan, Dingus. That's a good point. Dingus, I loved it. I was really... I thought it was way better than the first one. Oh, really? You loved it? No. Jesus, Kelly. Well, you know what? I actually was liking the first 20 minutes of it, or half an hour, and then once Ultron showed up, I thought it left the rails. All right. So you, you kind of liked it then, and then didn't like it? Uh, it seemed like they, it seemed like the joke stopped coming. Like it was kind of fun and jaunty and like, oh yeah, now I can remember, like maybe I'm dumb for not liking the first one. But then it kind of turned into Iron Man 2, like a third of the way in and then it never really recovered. And again, it gets yeah, really, an interesting point, yeah. That and there's just too much, yeah, it seemed to lose its fun, I thought. And the first one kind of got like, they're fighting Loki in New York and it's supposed to be this thing that they're still traumatized by like months and years later but there's still room for like that awesome loki hulk scene and stuff and this there's like there's like almost no like high water marks where i go oh that's the good part well i'll have to admit that like even the first avengers i go like there was i kind of like some of it was working i thought so did you like this thing tom uh no i mean i i uh i was hoping you would go first but i'll, I'll jump in here i uh so i i think the three things i can say about it in in increasing order of um, unforgivability, so, so to speak, um, it, it's muddled. Uh, like I think it has no focus. Uh, it's all over the map, uh, and that's kind of okay. Um, but worse than that, I guess two things. Let's make let's compress this into two things. Uh, it's muddled, and that I could live with. But what's worse than being muddled? That it was utterly forgettable. Yeah. Like, there's nothing a year from now that I'm going to remember in this movie. Um, there's no good parts. And that's... Uh, which is yeah, weird. Which is really weird because, uh, you know, Whedon's a, a, a talented writer and, and uh, a director. He did a great job with the first Avengers. Uh, he's got a, a stellar cast here. Um, he's got interesting characters. Uh, but, yeah, it was just so utterly forgettable, which, you know, how do you how do you do that? With these characters, with this cast, with with this writer and director, uh, I was astonished at how forgettable it was. And second movie, like, like I thought this was going to be the Dark Knight of the Avengers, right? Like, okay, they got the they they've worked out all the kinks of Avengers, and now it's really going to 
All right, so Daniel Scott, so yeah, so it sounds like you were disappointed, a little sheepish about having been excited. Because um, actually, so my, my what, what I felt as I was watching it was uh, this sense of I knew it. Like I, I was, I was afraid it was going to be something like this, and this is kind of what I was worried about the first movie. You know, before we saw the first movie, um, some of us were well, were kind of dismissive of it. And how can you get all these characters into one movie and and, and make something compelling? And, and, and they, they did, I thought. And so this is kind of what I was worried about with the first movie coming true. Um, all right, so, so Venus, go ahead. Uh, I think the the way you put it that uh, that it's almost entirely forgettable is absolutely on point. Um, I didn't use the word um, muddled when I was doing my own write-up of my notes after seeing the movie, but I used a similar word um, in that I used the word muddy because I think that the villain is basically sort of a muddy, kind of shapeless, slimy. Just It's a villain you can't really get any sort of grasp on. So I wrote the word muddy when I was writing my notes. I was like, this the villain in this movie is really muddy. I don't get quite what they're going for, and I'll, I'll get into more of that later, as, as well as some of what Kelly suggests by what a second movie should do or what a second movie might be striving for. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm so disappointed in this. And uh, I was nervous about it, basically, from the moment I heard the title of it. Um, and I had, I mean, the movie suggests its own title in the middle of the movie. Um, it, it, it suggests a better title than Age of Ultron, which doesn't, it, which is not inspiring at all. But nevertheless, I I ginned up a lot of excitement to see it because we had such a great experience seeing the first Avengers movie, and I've had such a great experience seeing that first Avengers movie over and over again with my son. And so the two of us, my son and I, were really excited to see that. Um, and I could tell Tom was a little bit like, eh, let's put the brakes on a little bit, guys. But I was just nevertheless that, – that's what I'm apologizing for. Was, like I'm just barreling forward. I'm going to trust Joss Whedon that he's going to – that he knows what he's doing. He's going to know how to marshal his forces. And it is – you know, I, I guess I didn't think of it the way that you did. But as I was writing my notes, I, I, I couldn't remember things that I really liked. I mean I had to really stretch to things – to think of things that I really liked. Um, so there's, you're right. A, a year from now, I'm not going to remember a thing about this. Whereas I remember almost every moment of the first Avengers movie. So I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know quite what to make of it, but I'm utterly disappointed. Age of Ultron is the name of something. So it's like they take the name of the story about Ultron. It's like set on different earths and stuff and actually does cover an age of story. And they just kind of slap it on. Oh wait, that's a real thing. There's something yeah. in the age of Ultron. And is it is it this tired AI thing? It's more convoluted because he was cre- he was created by another guy named Henry Pym, who was another Avenger. Oh, Ant Man. Isn't that an right? Ant-Man? Right, right, yeah, yeah. He was Ant Man, and then he was also Goliath, so but as well. And Giant you, you said that the middle of the movie suggested a different title. What 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 did you mean by that? Oh, what I mean by that is when Ultron actually says um, the only way to peace, peace is Avengers Extinction, which Avengers Extinction is a great title. Ah. Avengers mm-hmm. Age of Ultron makes me want to go to sleep. I mean, it's just totally limpifying. But I, it sounds I hate, like it was a fan service. It's a misnomer. I right. hate but the it's, title. 
Avengers Age of Ultron, it doesn't fit especially at all. after seeing it and finding the villain completely uncompelling and just a retread of an old villain um, and a, and leaving off uh, an actor that I really loved. Um, as much as I love James Spader, I think this is a horrible villain. And Age of Ultron is a completely uh, uninspiring title, but at least he gave us a title. Avengers Extinction would have been kind of an interesting title. Yeah, I didn't understand the villain's I'm not sure I understood where he came from, what he ever wanted. No, nope. um, like none of that. That when I say muddled, that like I. So, I think I, piecing together, this AI escapes from Loki's scepter and merges with Tony Stark's alien invasion protective AI. And yeah, I didn't get that at all. I did not understand that protective thing at all because when you look at the IMDb like little mini eyes like a protective, I'm like, what? I didn't get any of that. Yeah, and then it merges with these this Iron Legion initiative of, of robots, and then, for some reason, and I'm still not clear on it, decides it wants to destroy the world or destroy the Avengers, and then at some point, they, they bring up something about, well, mankind has to evolve, and – and, and, and I don't – like – so – lifting a city up and then dropping it is supposed to be like an extinction level event. And by the way, a a city in the middle of nowhere. I mean, this this reminds me of of Thor, New Mexico. Like, okay, we're just going to destroy a city out in the middle of nowhere. But this time, it's going to... The stakes have never been higher. I think they were confusing confusing the idea that if a a meteorite were to hit the Earth, like, it doesn't have to, like, (laughs) come through the atmosphere at these crazy supersonic speeds... Just like lifting it into the sky and dropping it, like is that supposed to be the equivalent of the meteor that destroyed the oh, I didn't even dinosaurs? Get that. I thought he was just going to suck off the metal from the city. No, I, th- I think that's what they're <laughs> what they're thinking. And and by the way that the yeah. debris falls into this huge body of water, the idea is that it's going to create that kind of event that a meteor would have created. It and in sense. fact, a meteor would have been slowed down going through the atmosphere. So dropping it from that height, I can imagine they worked out the physics or. Whatever. Wait, you worked it? out the physics. No, the physics, right, I, physics I think, were completely d- right. dumb. Like, I, th- I don't think anybody was th- – like, I think it was – it makes no sense to me. The, the <laughs> physics – yeah, like something – you know, like the, the meteorite that entered the atmosphere over Russia, for instance, um, that, that burned up in the atmosphere, like that would have been devastating. But it's because it came from space at supersonic incredible speeds and then hit the Earth and created so much kinetic energy. You know, lifting a chunk of terrain – High into the air and then dropping it down. I don't. I mean, was it supposed to be rocket powered or? No, no. It's just the power of. I mean, it's the force of gravity taking this this size of a thing that isn't slowed down by entering the atmosphere. I mean, that's. But it's most already of those in the, things are slowed down. But it's in not the going atmosphere. fast enough, right? But the problem they're slowed down from going super fast. This is never going super fast if you just raise it up and drop it. Like it's the difference between dropping a penny from a great height and shooting a bullet out of a gun. You know, dropping a penny isn't going to wound somebody, but shooting them with a gun is because of the difference in velocity. Dropping a penny off of uh, the Royal Gorge will go through somebody's head. Oh my God! No, it won't, Dingus. Air resist? Absolutely not. Yes, it will. Nope, it will not. I think Dingus is right. Once a penny achieves terminal velocity, the fastest it's going to fall in the atmosphere, it is not going to go through somebody's head. What it about the Marvel movie? Will. I mean, things. Oh my fall. God, Dingus! No, that, that's how fast things. Look, go. the circumference. Listeners, of a penny please is write it. No, a penny Didn't because of the way air resistance works. Charlie Sheen. Uh, 
I can't believe we're dumber than the Avengers. You guys are dumber than the Avengers. I'm the only one smart enough to know that that Ultron's (laughs) plan wasn't going to work. Was it was, just, you know what? It reminded me of Superman Returns, where it's like the whole plan doesn't make sense, and it's like you're watching the same image for like an hour of screen time. Okay, here's like, another. in the air for some reason. Yeah. So okay, that's that's what? screwed up on physics. Also, uh, peace in our time, like that that whole Tony Stark phrase. Does did that not ring weird to you guys? Like, do you, do you know what that's from? That that that's that's the phrase that is famously associated uh, with appeasement. You know that that's that was Neville Chamberlain's speech, basically saying, "Hey, you know Hitler invaded Poland. That's fine. We're going to make a deal with him. We're going to have peace in our time." Like that's a joke about appeasement, about appeasing Hitler. Like why so, is that? Why is that Tony Stark's catchphrase to justify uh, this AI? Well, like that that made no sense to me. I don't understand what they were going for with that. I, I think does, that's that's meant to set up um, what. The, the later line of he doesn't know the difference between uh, peace it's, uh, between saving the world and destroying it and you know where he got that idea and that's right. the that's idea that, that Tony Stark doesn't understand the difference between those things because of his background so Tony Stark doesn't know history or I mean, anything that, he makes would... a ro- he causes everything to happen that's another dumb thing about it well yeah and that's like what He's they also set up this whole idea that there's like this that this this AI is the offspring of Tony Stark right. and why then don't we get like them Doing confronting jokes. each other? No, no, just a simple uh, conversation. Yeah. I mean, why? That's what I thought. That's we were a good point. For. That's a really good point, Tom. Yeah. You know, instead, it's just this silly horde mode battle where they have to stop all these all these robots from coming in to push the button that was going to do something. Yeah. But, you know, where is where's the conversation we had uh, between between Loki and Tony Stark, for instance? You know, have interesting characters talk to each other. And not just a bunch of goofy CG battles. Like Hulk and Loki. Like why does exactly? Yeah, why doesn't Joss Whedon do that in this movie? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're basically talking about a a, a conversation between creator and created. Father son, absolutely. Yeah, and you and we should have had that, and that would work in perfectly with the things that have been feathered in as far as Tony Stark's backstory about his father. I mean, that would be a great that would be oh, a right, great right, thing. Right. That he's grown up now. Better, he's had man. a kid, and the kid has has grown beyond him sure yeah so yeah that would be that would be an excellent idea then he makes another guy who's now replacing him on the team Who? you guys don't know much about vision though vision huh? no I, I, my, I no. my kid oh, had to lean God. over and go oh that's the vision i'm like that is also, that a thing oh, yeah, that okay. made no, i mean i guess again fan service i'm sure a lot of people loved it and it's kind of cool fantasy. seeing paul bettany show up uh, but uh well, i don't what uh, what what, what the heck powers? What are his powers, and what was the whole deal? Where did, how did where did Thor go to figure out? Yeah. That, that yeah. Where, what's the mirror stuff? pool? What the fuck is the mirror pool? Oh, I didn't what's even that? catch that line. He looked at a mirror pool. Yeah, yeah. He he goes into I don't know where. I guess Asgard or somewhere. And he goes in and he says, at "Once you go into the mirror pool." Oh no, no, you're right. We saw that. Right. That's right. That's right. See, uh, I forgot. No it's forgettable. That. I totally forgot. Yeah. That yeah. Thor took a bath, and there was lightning in the bath. And he got enlightened by it. Yeah. Well, Thor's like, yeah. I'm, I'm going to step on some Legos, and then okay, I'm flying away. See you guys. Oh yeah, what was the scene with him stepping on? I mean, he's awkward with. Show. Oh yeah, that's right. And he looks at the little girl. Uh, yeah, I didn't. What, what? It, it's just a little joke about him stepping on toys because he's a god, and then he kicks them aside. And then, I mean, that's a cute joke. I mean, this movie just shoehorns jokes in. I mean, it's just trying so I don't hard. Understand that joke. And then he flies away. <laughs> he's clumsy. 
No, he's well, a big a old god. god, and he stepped on the kids' he Legos, and then rather than own up to it, he just sort of like brushes them aside, like somebody who's like, "I broke something, but I'm going to hide it." Oh. That's it's just a little. It's a throwaway. He, joke. I mean, this movie he had is no, of, of jokes that are either that are just forced and forced and forced. I mean, the only, I, I found myself, and I'm an easy laugh. Uh, so I laugh at things, and I feel embarrassed about a couple things I laughed at in this movie. Um, yeah, but I was the only one in the theater laughing. I mean, it was really embarrassing. I mean, this, this is a, it was a pretty full theater, and nobody was laughing. Nobody was. It seemed like nobody was really enjoying. They might have been just absorbed, though. I, I don't think so. I mean, I remember seeing the the first movie with Tom, and everybody was having a joyous time. This movie is joyless. Yeah, but but like in Canada, like they, you, that's just how like they're just acquired or like they'll when they come out, you can tell they liked it, but they're not gonna cheer. Well, us. I didn't get that feeling. I mean, this movie, this theater emptied pretty fast, and there were some geeks out in the out in the um, lobby talking about you know this that this that and the other. But uh, boy, I mean, there's, uh, the, a, there's a rape joke in this movie. What? The what? F- no, Dingus. What's the rape joke? The Prima Nocta joke is basically a rape no, joke. No, that's not a rape joke. Nobody's going to get that anyway. That's that's way too obscure to be a rape joke. And it's him doing it. It's okay if it's telling you. Wait, no. I, you know, I can kind of uh, allow it because he's he's got dark humor, but it's basically a rape joke. Uh, the funniest part of the movie was Thor when Captain America looked like he was going to pick up his hammer. Yeah, so, and, and it's kind of it's it's a, a sad story uh, about the movie when, when Chris, when Chris Hemsworth has the best comic timing. And he laugh. I know. Yeah. Well, that's Hulk talk and... Yeah, Thor was the funniest one. Uh, all right, so if we're if we're going to take offense at things, because I want to take offense at something and and kind of mock offense, but uh, I, I think Joss Whedon deserves to be called out for this. So uh, the the Jurassic World trailer, uh, which I haven't seen, but the, one of the trailers for Jurassic World apparently has Chris Pratt's character and, and uh, I'm going to screw up her name, Bryce Dallas Howard. Dallas, yeah, Bri- yeah Bryce Dallas Howard. Uh, they're talking to each other, and she's supposed to be. Uh, like this uptight scientist, and he's a super cool dude. Uh, and it's just one scene from uh, Jurassic World. And Joss Whedon tweeted after the trailer uh, some disparaging comment about how it's sexist. It's a, it's a 70s sexist stereotype. Um, what is? Th- this idea that she's stuck up and he's super cool. Uh, Joss Whedon said something like, really? Uh, didn't we lose that sexism in the 70s, Jurassic World, really? Like, he, it was just some, he took mild indignation at, at something in the trailer. It's not just the 70s, it was before and after. You know what, talk to Joss Kellywand. I'm just telling you what he tweeted. Uh, and he's, Wait, he's that's what since, he said? Yeah, and he's since apologized for it. He got called out, and he, you know, he's basically said, oh, I didn't see the movie, I shouldn't have done that, I shouldn't have gone off half, half cocked. That's his... But, I mean, to, to Joss Whedon's credit, uh, he's well known for for developing female characters more than a lot of other writers and directors. And I think he deserves that recognition. Uh, I don't know what happened to him in this movie. Jesus, I'm with you. I'm totally with you. Yeah, yeah if you want to have yeah. a guy who's going to have an enlightened perspective on how to make female characters relevant and to avoid stereotypes, why in this movie does Black Widow get kidnapped and she's helpless and has to be rescued? Uh-huh. And the other notable female character, Scarlet Witch... Why does she have to be talked out of cowardice by a man? You know, both of those. If you're gonna get, if you're gonna get high and mighty about sexism in movies, you know, I, well, you, you, he doesn't have a leg to stand on after what he did with his female characters in this movie. 
It's not only that; it's it's forcing Scarlet. I mean, it's forcing um, Black Widow to get into a romantic relationship with somebody on her team. Well, that, by the way, I, I, come on, that I object to because it just felt forced. I mean, I'm okay yeah. with them having relationships being human, but yeah, it came out of nowhere. It felt forced. She was with Hawkeye in the first. Well, good. Time. Have have you know Tony Stark and Mark Ruffalo sense. have a relationship? I mean, uh, but just having the one female member of the team have to fall in love with a dude and be rescued and because they're that. only single ones. God, it's so tired, and they avoided that the first time around. I guess well, he doesn't have that. I mean, I do feel like the first time around, like what they were, like I loved that there was this hint of a long-term relationship uh, with Scarlett Johansson, and Jeremy Renner's characters, and I, I didn't mind that. But this just felt like, I, yeah, this just felt like Kelly Wan said, like there, there, it just was out of nowhere. Like what? Really? She's suddenly in love with Bruce Banner? Yeah, based on nothing that I can see that happens in the movie, like oh, now it's we're really in love or something, or anything in the last movie that it was a setup for that. Yeah, I mean, it it did. It just felt so obligatory, and um, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't. Arbitrary. Yeah, but just, I, it, I didn't think of the the Scarlet Witch thing about her having to be talked down. Oh, by. that was so annoying. Yeah, because I, I love Elizabeth Olsen, and I don't. I, you know, I wanted to see her do more funky spellcasting stuff, but you know, she's she's sitting there like hiding and from battle, and Jeremy Renner has to talk her out of it. I, I and, and normally, you know what? I wouldn't necessarily mind that. But I saw that. I saw how Black Widow gets kidnapped, and uh, and 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 I, I just thought of Joss Whedon's tweet about a little tiny scene in Jurassic World, him taking offense at that. A rumpf. Exactly. I'm just harumphed. Uh, Although Marvel, like, I think I read something where like they don't like. Scott Johansson was agreeing that she did like an SNL skit where it mocks that Marvel doesn't have very many strong females, so she's like pretending to be all of them. But like Elektra and Phoenix and that, like they have a lot of good villains. I, well, I, you know, I'm a Jean Grey fan uh, as far as nerds go. Yeah, me too. But I, I also think it's kind of part, part of what was cool about what Joss Whedon did with Black Widow in the Avengers movie is her superpower, if you will, was that she was always in control. Even when you thought and the villains thought that she wasn't in control. You know, when she's right. talking to Loki, when she's being interrogated in the first part of the movie, those are both these kind of like like Silence of the Lambs tropes. You know, that she's the woman and the guy on the other side of the glass is manipulating her. And, and then she turns it around. She's in control the entire time. And that, you know, there's none of that in, in this movie. Well, I, I think there is one moment of that. I think it's that I adore you, but I need the other guy moment. I, I think the guy. Is, I think that's a mo- that moment where where she's the one who was originally called on to recruit the Hulk for the last movie, and it so happens that they had that this movie has created chemistry. There's that bar scene, and then they have their kiss, and she looks at him, you know, and she says, "I adore you," and she pushes him over the edge and says, "But I need the other guy." So she's still she has that moment. I still hate that. That's how he can turn into the Hulk, as if. He gets pushed out of an airplane. Well, he did say in the first movie, I think, that he I'm always did say angry. he would try to shoot himself in the head, like he would. No, he, would, he, he put he took a bullet in the mouth, but the other. Yeah, guys. and then, yeah, so so no matter how, like he just can't even commit suicide, and a fall like that isn't going to kill him. I, yeah. Right, but he's going to have to convert <laughs> in order to. But say. he's never mad. But he says uh, he's always mad. Kelly Wan, yeah, exactly. I think Just Whedon sort of hand waves waves most of what you're or tries to hand wave what you're saying away with with an with a line that Agent Hill has about testosterone, you know, when all the boys are all around and they're in the party and she goes testosterone. You know, and that 
that to me, Dingus, that you, uh, I, I think I'm using this correctly, but that, that to me is lampshading, where like a writer has a, an outrageous or or knows there's a problem, and they think by calling attention to it, they're going to negate it. And yeah, I and I, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. I think that's what he's doing. And, and there, there's a couple of scenes like that in this movie. You know, Jeremy Renner's bit about uh, the city is flying, we're fighting robots, and I have a bow and arrow. None of this makes sense. Whoa, wacky. Like, yeah. I, I, when he said that, I was like, well, you, you have a point. You know, that's kind of an issue right here. I don't know what's going on. But uh, you're making excuses. You're showing that you know it, and therefore it's 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 cool. Right, so that's lampshading. I, I think that's the like that's the the technique is lampshading to call attention to an issue that the, the movie has, that the story has, and then by by calling attention into it, sort of going, ha ha, you know, we both know this is a problem. Now let's ignore it. And yeah, we're hoping yeah. we'll we we as viewers will dismiss it, but yeah. we're not going to dismiss it. And the same I, with, I expect more of this movie. Right, and then the same with that testosterone com- comment that that. Uh, Kobe Smulders has is, you know, it's so it's so guy driven, and also, and I, I, I hope I don't sound overly sensitive with this, but, you know, I, 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 I feel like having these cameos from Samuel Jackson, Don Cheadle, and Anthony Mackie does not. <sighs> what that does is that even more calls attention to me that this is a movie about like four white guys, and I would kind of be okay with that, but I kind of feel like. You know, we didn't get Gwyneth Paltrow. We didn't get uh, um, uh, Natalie Portman. We we barely got, uh, and even the gratuitous well, Idris Elba. Yeah, yeah, it's sort of like let's bring in briefly four black guys for these kind of like cameo things, and then maybe you won't notice that this is just a bunch of white men doing stuff. I yeah. again, I'm normally not that bothered by. If you want to have a story about four white dudes saving the world, fine, go ahead. But I just kind of felt like these gratuitous cameos were kind of hand waving away, yeah, like lampshading. I don't know. Maybe that's overly sensitive. Like that, like the X Men Days of Future Past too, where people just walk on screen and then walk back. On. I'm I'm not so worried about that because because of how I view the because uh, of how I view the Marvel. I mean, if you'll excuse the term, the Marvel Cin- Cinematic Universe, because I think that the Kevin I don't know how you say his name, Kevin Feig, um, is is constantly setting up things for future movies. Right, right. right. I mean, and, and mm. I've, I have constantly wondered why Paul Bettany was doing Jarvis. Well, now we know why. I mean, uh, this, yeah. so, somebody uh, must have, have, have laid out a PowerPoint to say, this is why you should take this movie. Once you get to here, you're going to be in a, in a cool red and green suit and you're going to be like the badass. So just stick with us and, and you'll, and you'll be fine. You're just going to have to do a little bit of voiceover and then you're going to be right. in the movie. And I, and I think that, Seeing Anthony Mackie or Samuel Jackson or Idris Elba show up for a couple of days of work, it, it's going to pay off. I think it's like investment opportunities. I think these things pay off later on. I, I couldn't help but think, but think that when Haley Atwell showed up, uh, yeah, she's got a TV series to promote. Like, I, I right. kind of was thinking that as well. Is it? Yeah. Well, it's this, this, and this is what we worried about. And, and again, I've said this so many times because I thought it was a great, a great way that you put it. Tom, um, we were so worried about the first Avengers movie being this like bulldozer of these properties just being shoved into a big pile that was then going to be like dumped upon us. And it turned out the first Avengers movie like paid tribute to every single character. It was so well 
orchestrated. It had such great comic timing. It's a labor um, of love. It felt like a labor but, of love. Uh, but this does feel like the, the bulldozers are starting to things are starting to get clogged. Yeah. It's just starting to clog up. And so, I guess there's there's no way around that because there's so many different properties. Well, let's talk about two of the new things that got bulldozed into the pile here. Uh, what did we think of Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch? And by the way, they're never called that, I, I believe. And it's a different Quicksilver from the X-Men Quicksilver because that's Evan Peters in the other cameo movie. Yeah, my kid was super nervous about that because he loved um, – Evan name? Peters. Evan Peters. He loved Evan Peters. In- yeah, he had the best scene in the movie. Um, he really liked him, and he ended up, as much as he did not like this movie, uh, he ended up saying, you know, uh, that guy was pretty good. He was pretty good in it, and you know, he did the accent okay, and it was a different, it was kind of a different take on the character. So, uh, you know, he was, I was surprised. I thought he would, because he, he came in stacked against him, and he was fine with it. Mm, I, I, I just don't understand what the whole. I don't understand what their characters are. I don't understand the enhanced. Or, I don't understand it. I, I disagree about Aaron. I, I, uh, Aaron Taylor. Taylor Johnson is, to me, the Cody Smith McPhee of his generation. <laughs> oh yeah, I agree. He is a he is a total charisma suck. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. But but my kid was the least. At least he didn't mess it up. But I don't understand the enhancement thing. I don't understand where that sits. I don't understand what what's going on with that. Well, I guess they're basically then they're Hydra experiments. Like that's what I sort of got from it. Uh, but then they but he's an, he's a he's a mutant in the other movie. right. And in this, he's just an enhancement. What is that? Oh, mean? oh, that's right. He is a mutant. Yeah, he's a mutant in the X Men movie, and here right. he's an enhancement with his sister. Because it's I, different. I don't. Oh, get, is, what, I don't is Scarlet Witch an X Men? Kelly Wand? No. Oh, never. But Quicksilver yeah, is. Uh, I don't remember that either. Okay. I don't think he was. Oh, so he's, but he's not, a mutant. Oh, okay. Okay. They both are, they're both okay. mutants. I don't. I just um, don't understand his power. I don't understand why. Just because he moves fast, he can he can punch through all these robots and they disintegrate. Just because you're fast doesn't mean flesh goes through metal. Oh my God! Here we are, Dingus, with the whole meteorite thing. Speed is kinetic energy, Dingus. A penny made out of meteors. <laughs> the reason a penny won't kill anyone is because of air resistance. I mean, in space, yeah, if you were to get it going fast enough, yeah. But what about but, a dollar bill? Dollar Bill has terrible air resistance. Like, it has great air resistance. Not uh, very aerodynamic. Mine always blow away really easy. I think the main problem with these two characters is that um, they are raised to do a certain thing. They and, – and then they'll just switch whenever, like, somebody flips a page. All right. Well, yeah. So well, I think it's, we've seen their powers we'll, already. We'll go over to the good guy side because right. of this. Well, because she, she realizes, oh, no, wait, he wants to destroy the world. Uh, wrong verb. Yeah, she had her verbs mixed up, I guess. Oh, yes. He had the verbs mixed up. Um, (laughs) You like those two characters, Tom? Oh, he hates. I mean, I love love Elizabeth Olsen, and I would have loved to see her given more to do, but no, no, I didn't. I couldn't care less for her. Okay, this is apparently when she shows all those images of uh, them all dead. Right, right. That's setting up another thing called the Infinity War, the Infinity Crisis. Which is oh, I know, what, I know what that is. Okay, do you? Where it's uh, Thanos... Oh, wait, I'm confused. Yeah, it's Thanos. Gauntlet. That's where... Because it looks just like... Like, is that also an apocalypse that's, synony- that's happening at the same time with the X-Men apocalypse, where it's all Days of Future Past and Sentinels... Or is that even just is that just an apocalypse for mutants, and then this one supersedes that apocalypse? Uh, yeah, I don't. Are the X Men universe and, and the rest of this supposed to like be in the same place? Like, do the X Men show up and help to be able to in the comics? It's got to be some sort of Venn diagram that 
enables that to happen. I'm but wondering they, too if there are rights issues though. Like if yeah. Marvel only gives certain that's the thing. Because Sony's giving up on Spider-Man because the Andrew Garfield ones are lame. So now Spider-Man's going to be an Avenger, and so they were. God, asked, I hope that never happens. Jesus. Well, Spider-Man is an Avenger in the comics, isn't he? Like, isn't yeah. briefly, but he doesn't. He doesn't stick to it. He's like, right. too maverick for him. He's just so in a different weird. tonal universe, and I don't think they understand why that matters. I, well, actually, being as I would be okay with that because I would have said the same thing about you know Captain America and Iron Man and Thor and uh, I mean we, we, we've we, seen we, it done. Yeah, when you when you have someone like Joss Whedon from the first Avengers who can bring those tonal discordance together, I, you know it, it can work. But you know the deck is kind of stacked against you. It takes a good movie like the Avengers, uh, which isn't really what we have think- this time. They all wanted to be in a like everyone was there to work, and in this I felt like no one really wanted to make this movie. It felt really like feels like it feels like, oh. so joyless. Yeah, everyone just seems bummed out. Uh, there, what yeah. do you guys think about the Ultron, the James? I had, I had no idea that was James Spader until the credits. I mean, I, I'd heard he was in it, I'd forgotten. Uh, the, during the movie, I, I was like, "Who is that?" And when they were going to turn him into flesh, I was like, "Oh, okay, I guess we'll find out when the actor emerges." And then Paul Bettany emerged, and I was like, that was Paul Bettany. But then you realize, you know, but then Ultron is still around. Uh, so I, yeah, I didn't, I had no idea that was James Spader. I like when he first shows up, though, at the party, and they slowly realize, wait, we're fighting, we're, we're on the clock right now. This, and so they're sort of like taking appraisal of him. But then, like, I like that pacing, but then you never, I wanted to know more about him or like what he was coming from. There's here. a weird, they seem to be doing this, like, like he he's kind of sort of like uh, wisecracking at times. Yeah, like and I was Tony. like, is he supposed to be a comedic? Yeah, I guess no, he's supposed to be like that's what I, which makes no sense because it's a program that he designed and none of his other suits are witty. But like, I just assumed that was like a Stark thing, like oh, because he's came from Stark's brain that he does kind of. But Jarvis isn't that way, is he? Like, does Jarvis no, have this sort of uh, sarcastic humor? Or, uh, yeah. No, but he wasn't supposed to be as powerful. Like, I guess Ultron was supposed to be this big thing. So, Dingus, you're our, you're this podcast's James Spader, our, the podcast's biggest James Spader fan. Um, did you know that was James Spader? Oh, yeah, from moment one, I knew it was him. I like Spader. <laughs> uh, well, I, I love it's the guy. I, I think, unfortunately, so much of the script's humor is, is like, just jammed into it uh, the the way the the first movie was just so natural with its humor some of the humor is just so embarrassingly just jammed in um and i think that i think what they're going for what they're trying to do is 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 cover over uh if you'll excuse the it, it, you know the way they uh mask uh, hawkeye's wound um cover over the fact that tom hiddleston isn't here um, and they're trying to make up for the 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 loss of this lo- this awesome Loki character that has this wry humor and this mischievous, uh, you know, he's the god of mischief and that's what he does and and he's often curious about his own humor and curious about his own power and I think that this is what they're trying to do with this character. Um, I totally knew it was James Spader and they even do. This is totally distracting to me. There's that scene where they they go into that room where Ultron is sitting in a chair in the middle of the room, and he's like, "You know that church that this church is in the exact center of the city," and he just does this little, I don't know, lecture, this mini lecture to them, um, and it just so happens I'm a fan of the 
of the television show Blacklist, and this is what James Spader's character does all the time on the show Blacklist. He is forever uh, giving these little dopey facts or antidotes uh, to either his adversaries that he's going to kill or he's going to threaten. And it's like, do you know that the heart is weighs 7.8 pounds and your heart is about to be uh, given to somebody else? I mean, he always does that kind of thing in the blacklist. And that that little thing, you know, this church is in the exact center of the city, is exactly the thing from the blacklist. And it, it was just so distracting to me. As much as I love James Spader, I just I, I thought this this villain was so muddy, so uninteresting, and this whole AI thing, especially after, after having seen Ex Machina, I'm just not interested in that as a villain, and I'm not interested in seeing a bunch of robots get smashed instead of flesh. I, I, I just don't find it interesting. They played with this idea that he was given to bouts of rage, like when you ripped off Andy Serkis's arm. Right. Uh, and I forget, what did Andy Serkis say that offended him? He compared oh. him to... Oh, good Lord. Who did he compare him to? He compared him to somebody else that made him so angry. I'm not like that guy. Right. But I I thought – And I can't even remember. You're right, Tom. It's unforgettable. I can't remember who he compared him to that made Ultron so angry. And I thought it was going to – like that was going to be his sort of defining characteristic is that he would just fly into these these murderous rages and that just went by the wayside. There there was that. Um, His one tan. And speaking of murderous rages – how do we feel about uh, – they're trying so hard, and yet with the scale of action, the spectacle, they're trying so hard to make it clear that nobody got killed in certain yeah. scenes, um, and, and yet it's inconsistent. But they still go to such pains to make sure every last person is evacuated off of that, that floating city uh, to show that – you know, Tony Stark's uh, Iron Man costume analyzes that skyscraper before Hulk makes it collapse to show, you know, it's been totally evacuated. Uh, but still, in other scenes, like surely the Hulk killed some of those guards in in Slovakia or whatever, wherever we were in the first scene, right? But they're Nazis. Okay, well, when, when, Everybody's when getting flipped. smashed like crazy, but yeah, they when, don't – yeah. Well, when Hulk flips out and, and then goes off to yeah. the African city – I mean, the Hulk killed some people, right? Like, the movie isn't denying that, is it? Yeah, but Iron Man's a bigger... He's more of a menace to this movie than the Hulk is. No, no, but the Hulk's problem is that he's afraid of killing people, and he's already killed a bunch of people, and that's what happens in that city. But they're so careful about preserving these civilians in this random city. And and it's so... Like, are we supposed to think, then, that all of these, you know, where... Where uh, who was it? Thor and I guess Captain America are saving people from falling cars. Like yeah. so, that's that one one little street that's been ripped. What about all the other streets were there? Like, are we supposed to believe that the Avengers saved everyone one from car. getting killed? Yeah, yeah, we're supposed to well, believe that they all got on those lifeboats. Yeah, now they're all dispossessed. I find that so ridiculous. Like, go ahead and just do a Man of Steel thing and embrace the fact that. A lot of people are going to die in this scale of action, and 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 just let it happen for Pete's sake. It's about heroes in a disaster. Yeah, quit trying to make us think that nobody got killed, uh, and that they yeah. saved every last life. Yeah. Like, why? What's the upside of that? Like, we're yeah, going to save the dog at the end. I, I don't know what the upside is either. I mean, I think it makes more sense to just say we're going to have to sacrifice the city in order to save the earth. I mean, fine, do that. I don't know. 
And, that's and, also, and then that's take also, some moral consequences. Yeah, that's also lampshaded, Dingus, is they have the thing, you know, would you sacrifice the earth for the, the you know, do the math. I think if someone even says at one point, do the math. And, right, 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 right. But they never, there's no payoff to that. Right. Can I, can I ask a really stupid pedantic question? Dingus, we're just your men. Uh, what the de- what's the deal with vibranium? Because I thought up till now, vibranium was, was, Introduced as the strongest thing on Earth, and that's why it only was in this one shield, and it's all we have. And now it's the most versatile material on Earth that can lift things, because and they've only used it to make a frisbee. I, do you guys know anything about what? Now it's kryptonite. What what is the deal with vibranium? I thought it was just supposed to be the strongest thing on Earth, and now it's the most versatile. Wait, I thought adamantium was the strongest, and vibranium was the most. It was yeah, who would who would win reflective. in a fight? Who would win in a fight between adamantium and vibranium and unobtainium? If all three of those metals fought, which one would win? Um. Jeez. Yes, Kelly Wand, you don't have an answer for me. Uh, well, mine has to do with relationships. But... Uh, I shouldn't turn to you for metallurgy advice. What was your question? What's the atomic weight of what? I, 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 Vibranium? Yeah, Kelly Wan, you're no metallurgist, sorry. How do we feel about this line, by the way? Is this good dialogue or bad dialogue? Uh, they're multiplying faster than a Catholic rabbit. <laughs> Is that better or worse? I don't remember than, that at all. Look, it's been a really long day, like Eugene O'Neill long. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. That's That might take the cake. Kelly Wan, can you top that line? Language? One, two, three. Oh, no, no, no. We haven't done no. over. Not me. It's Brittany. Talk to Brittany. She's the one that called it. Tom, what do the Iron Man suit and Sarah Palin have in common? Oh, my God. Uh, I I think I'll regret asking this, Kelly Wand, but what do the Iron Man suit and Sarah Palin have in common? They've both had Downey Juniors inside them. I don't think I get that. It's a retard. Oh, man, I, I do regret asking that. Uh, Dingus, what did we miss? What, 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 else, what else is to be said about this movie? Uh, I wanted to talk about how second movies work in a series, but we can talk about that another time. But mainly we forgot to do over-under first. Oh my gosh, you're right. Let's do an over-under for uh, the Avengers Age of Ultron. Dingus, what do you got for us? All right, so for under, um, I would, and I tried to bracket these as close as I could. One of them is going to be obvious. One of them you guys are going to go, huh? Uh, So under, I would put X-Men Days of Future Past. Um, and so, uh, these are movies that, uh, where the ensemble, they're, they're, they're ensemble films that really fail their characters. And I think one of the things about, um, Avengers Age of Ultron is that I think it really fails its characters. I think it really fails to develop them and develop where they can go and where they should go. Uh, I think it's, it's uninteresting where all of them go. Um, and but X Men Days of Future Past was such a complete and utter disappointment to me. Other than the Quicksilver stuff, uh, I, I hated that movie, and I I really was just disappointed in this. But that's movie. your over or your under. That's, that's my under. Oh. My 
my over, and this is, again, I'm trying to do this sort of bracketing idea, and it's hard to do with a movie that I didn't like as much or as I was disappointed with. But so I'm, I'm, I'm going over because I think this movie is better than, than the movie we just saw. And I'm really actually kind of jonesing to see it again because a couple of people, uh, a couple of fans of the podcast in particular have said, you really should see this movie again. But I felt that this movie was an ensemble movie that failed its characters. And so this is not a superhero movie, but it's The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. And I was, <laughs> I was really uh-huh. just, I, I know, I know. That's, that's your over. Okay. Um, I was really disappointed with that movie because I felt it was um, I felt it was Wes Anderson already doing a retread of things he had already done, and already retreading like character dynamics and redoing things, themes that he'd already done, and almost remaking a movie he'd already made in the Royal Tenenbaums, including the way that he he did the bracketing or not the bracketing device, the bookend device, I should say. I'm sorry, I'm focused on bracketing, but the the bookend device and the way that the the ship is built and all of those things. I was really disappointed when I remember Tom and I going to see Life Aquatic and there was a Q&A afterward and I was just really turned off by that movie. Uh, I really felt like there's this standard ensemble of characters that Wes Anderson assembles and I felt like he kind of let them down with that movie, but I still feel like it's a better movie than the movie we just saw. Uh, and because people lately have been saying, Christian, you need to see this movie again. Uh, it kind of touched off for me. Yeah, I know. I understand that. Um, but, uh, again, look look at the way I'm bracketing them. It's ensemble films that fail, that fail their no, characters. I, yeah. I, I didn't want to go with just, this is a superhero movie that I like, this is one I don't like. But So I'm going with Life Aquatic as the over. So I did the same thing, but just about these were on messy ensemble superhero movies for me. Uh, and closely bracketing, I didn't like Avengers Age of Ultron. Uh, one that I think would, is even worse than Avengers Age of Ultron uh, is that Fantastic Four movie that Tim Story did because uh, I think the, the tone is all over the place in that, that movie. Uh, I think he totally got it wrong, even though I don't know the source material. Um, but it just felt it just felt like a huge, muddled, forgettable mess, even worse than this one. Um, uh, but what I would put above this, which is also a muddled mess of a superhero ensemble movie. And I might be confusing the number. Uh, is X-Men 3 the one where Wolverine uh, tries to save Jean Grey at the end? Yeah. 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 And, and and where Wolverine at the Academy is like uh is like brutally killing the uh like SWAT guys that are that's trying number to... two though oh shoot well okay well I'm going with three where Wolverine at the end is trying to save Jean Grey and I... Did she become Dark Phoenix in that movie yeah yeah because no, even she... though that was a big mess at least it had that memorable scene um you know where he's being disintegrated by her yeah yeah and yeah. I loved that and it's sort of like his superpower. Uh, pitted against her superpower, and it was very operatic for me. Uh, and I liked that last sequence, and I remembered that long after seeing the movie, and, and, and I've long since forgotten anything else in it, because it was a big mess, but at least it had that memorable scene for me. And there's no such scene like that in Age of Ultron, so I would put X-Men 3 over Age of Ultron. I agree that that, that particular scene where he's disintegrating as he tries, and she's already Dark Phoenix, because she... 
she's her origin is at the end of the X-Men 2 movie where you see that like phoenix shape in in the ah, water. Right, right, right. Um but but yeah, that that scene where he's he's like fighting to to sort of to conquer her and he's so in love with her and and his body is being disintegrated and you know it is his actual mutant powers to you know, heal. Um, but you know that he's in total pain while he's doing that. That's kind of a beautiful moment. Also, Cameron Bright is in it, so what can you say? Oh, that's right. Yeah, he plays that? Leech. He's 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 really great. I I mean I hated that movie, but it, it, just seeing Cameron Bright is great and that moment you're right, Tom is great. Um, do you guys know who uh and by you guys I mean Dingus, because Kelly Wanda, I'm sure you do. Dingus, do you know who's playing Jean Grey in the new Brian Singer X Men movie? Oh God! Uh, for one, I didn't know that was a thing, and number two, no. Oh, why are you going? Oh God, Kelly Wand. I didn't know it was a thing either, and I'm already just hating what you're saying. Uh, and I hated X Men Three too because she was with Scott. It's it. Sophie Turner who played uh, who's in Game oh, of Thrones okay. as um, uh, the older Stark girl. What's her name? Sansa. Kelly Wand? Sansa Stark. Yeah. Oh, all right. She's well, Eugene she Gray. They got the hair color right. I can see months. that. I guess. Yeah. Which they normally don't. Right, why don't Kelly you Wand? trust Brian Singer? Kelly, other than the... Because uh, Superman the Returns, he left yeah. X-Men for Superman Returns, and then X-Men hasn't been the same since, and Superman was a complete waste of our time. So he went, he was 0 for 2, and then wait, didn't he make Days of Future Past? He did a, didn't he do a terrible Jack and the Beanstalk movie recently? Right. Isn't that his last thing? bad shit. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. No, wait, wait. That's Brian Singer? Jack the Giant Killer? Wasn't that Brian Singer? Or Helgeland. I get the Brian's mixed up. No, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure Brian Singer did, did that forgettable Jack the Giant Killer with Nicholas Holt. I think – I forget who else was in it. Um, all right. Well, Kelly Wand, why don't you give us an over-under for uh, Avengers Age of Ultron? Uh, my under would be Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer because it was an ensemble movie sequel that with a title that made less sense than this one. Um, and was more boring than this one, and was more arbitrary. And we'd been promised big things about it, and we'd, like Doctor Doom's going to have his real powers this time. Mm-hmm. Now, and then my overs. Yes. Make a quick confession. Yeah, you like that one? Now, uh, when um, that guy came out of the coffin, I thought he was the Silver Surfer. Oh, he did have a silver surfery kind of thing going. The way he was like floating around and stuff. Yeah. yeah, when he was like at the window and like just floating there, looking at stuff. I'd like is that the silver surfer, and then my kid was like androgynous. That's the vision. <laughs> so yeah. I, I thought I thought this was like the birth of the silver surfer. It's like whoa. What? No, it's a totally different color. I I understand that oh, now. This is that, when you may not know this. Dingus is literally colorblind, literally. What? Yeah. My kid my kid had to no. explain that he is. Uh, Dingus admitted that the vision was wearing a green suit and had red skin. I was like, he's just all red. My kid's like, no no. Look at the picture. Yeah. And then once I looked at it, I was like, Oh, okay, I can see that now. There's That's a why lot I of- like Scarlet Witch, because they're both red. Exactly. Um and then my over's the Avengers. Which one, I didn't now let's do a three by three. Um. All right. So this week's topic: uh, your three favorite logo tricks or logo gimmicks that oh uh, oh get studio. Why are you going? Oh my god! This is a great ah. topic, Kelly. Ah. Uh, I like the listener submissions. 
and it, probably yours, since you're obviously itching to air something that's going to be amazing. Well, there's, I mean, there are a bunch of these. I mean, didn't you find that as you tried to think about it, that there were a bunch of them, or no? You had a hard time coming up with them, Kelly Wand? Uh, I had to watch some, and I went, oh, yeah, that was good. Okay. Well, great. Yeah, Anything that forces you to do homework, I think, is good. Right. All right, Dingus, you're announcing next week's Three by Three, so why don't you start us out with your third favorite studio logo gimmick? I, I really uh, hated this topic for most mm-hmm. of the week because um, it was really hard. Because you have to, yeah. There's no, there's no other way to go about it, in, unless you're going to Google it, than to go to your DVD collection and start shoveling DVDs into your DVD player. Um, or you know, I've got a, a number of movies that are digital that I tried to look at too. Like you mean um, to, to remind yourself if there is a gimmick or to see the gimmick or why, why were you do, doing that? Like to, that seems like the dumbest way to do it. Well, it is a pretty dumb way to do it, but I, but uh, I was trying to figure out when I was just trying. I was trying to crack the uh, um, the theme I was going to go for uh, in in going after the because I you know I I usually try to try to figure out, well, where, how am I going to go after this 3x3? Three three? Uh, but also just remembering what movies have them. Right. Um, and what ended up having to me, happening to me was I, I had this really great – there's one that – appear that the, the, the one that's uh, my, my number three was the first one that I thought of. Uh, and – and and this one sort of set the tone, um, and this is the movie The Matrix, um, and and the reason it, mm. I'm not I'm not sure quite how to say this, um, well I, I think I think that this will come to fruition when I get to the number one movie that's on my list, and that's and that's how if if a if a studio is going to allow a movie maker to mess with the logo or it's going to decide we're going to mess with the logo for your particular movie. They're basically kind of marrying themselves to that movie in a way. Um, and, and that's what has happened to me for uh, at least the number three and the number one movies on my list is that forever this movie is going to be related to this studio and that movie will be related to that studio forever because the, the logo is so ingrained in my head because of the way they messed with it at the beginning. It's not the way the logo always appears. So for, so first I'm talking about the matrix and this is the Warner brothers logo and Warner brothers classically. And it was kind of fun once I started to make my list to then research a little bit. Warner brothers messes with its logo a whole lot. In a lot of different ways. And in fact, two of my movies have the Warner Brothers logo. My number three and my number two are the Warner Brothers logo. And so in The Matrix, and for the longest time, what you see at the beginning of The Matrix is is the way the, the Warner Brothers logo spins up. And then – but there's this also – this this view of like what looks like a studio lot and then this um, – I don't know – the this uh, undulating image. It's like a heat shimmer. Exactly. Thank you, Tom. Like, kind of, like a heat shimmer or like when the helicopter in the Matrix hits the building and the, and the, and the sides of the building sort of undulate. And it's um, Matrix green. Uh, but yeah, and, and, and it is, once you watch it again, and one of the great things about getting to look at this again is getting to watch all these great scenes from the Matrix again, which you totally suckered me into, Tom. Because with all three of the movies, I ended up I thought I was just going to be able to watch like a couple of scenes 
but I ended up watching a lot of scenes. Um, but the Matrix has that weird undulating thing. But the the best thing about the logo is the sound because they do the um, the computer weird modem sound that will play throughout the movie whenever they're traveling, and they do that at the very beginning. And they do, and apparently they did, they do that for all three Matrix movies. I didn't even think about that, but. What I thought the first time I saw The Matrix was, wow, they've changed the Warner Brothers logo just for this movie. It's just this. But that undulating thing happens in most of the movies. Uh, but I thought – the first time I thought, saw The Matrix, I was like, wow, they changed the logo just for this movie. Uh, <laughs> and it was – I thought, wow, this is really an important movie. The studio changed their logo just for this movie. I remember thinking that in 1999, thinking Warner Brothers loves this movie so much that they changed their logo. Um, but uh, Warner Brothers has done so many changes over the years that that's not the case. Um, but forever – because Warner Brothers decided to do that, the Matrix and the Warner Brothers have been married in my brain. Charlotte, hmm. what do you got to top that? Wait, is he colorblind or not? Because if he doesn't know what color the Matrix is... I'm slightly is. colorblind. I have, a, I have a hard time discer- discerning some slight colors, but I, I can tell that the Matrix logo is more computery, like sickly green. Yeah, he can't tell the difference between silver and red. Really? No. Or green, what color is the dress, Dingus? It's green and gold. No, white and black. Uh, white and gold. What color's vision? You. My number three um, is a little somewhat to Dingus's in that it was the first time I think I saw a logo changed, so I thought it was really... And it was like a really weird um, movie for that to be the first one, but it was in Strange Brew <laughs> when uh, the lion burps because he's drunk. And then they... Uh, <laughs> Then you go behind the flat, and you see it's like an actual lion, and they're trying to get him to roar by cranking his tail. Oh, that's right. That's a great one, Kelly Watt. Yeah, yeah. And it's like a real lion. So I was like, not only, like, I was fine with the burp, but then it just keeps going. Yeah, it's awesome. And it involves them risking life and limb. I <laughs> and I also thought it was like a really, like, a studio was totally willing to go, we're going to have our logo with a burping lion. Like, they kind of didn't. I thought that was like a cool attitude. Yeah, MGM committed. Yeah. Right. Uh, my number three favorite is uh, I think this will we'll all remember this uh, is the way the Paramount logo at the beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark fades into a real mountain, uh, same shape, and then you know this shadow of this character we've never seen before steps in front of it and surveys the landscape at Ra- in Raiders of the Lost Ark. So it's, yeah. the, it's the same logo, but you know they don't mess with the logo, but just the way the logo then leads into the movie i really like i picked it well okay there's all they're all that's your number one dingus oh yeah yeah what why is that your number one i mean it's good but it's the first one i thought of yeah Yeah, why do you because that's the first time i remember seeing a movie in a theater and seeing that happened with a logo seeing that the logo sort of transmogrifies into something in the natural landscape and paramount does that in another movie one of my runners up but what was so exciting to me about this topic was those that moment when i realized when i mean because raiders came out in 1981 and that's the first time i remember seeing a logo be used in that way that overlay onto that other mountain and it and it's such a great way to um to transition us into the movie it's such a perfect transition into the movie uh 
that I mean, I was I mean, that's why this topic is kind of exciting to me, even though it was kind of frustrating to me earlier in the week. Um, but but I, this is the first time I remember and this happening where I noticed it happening as a, as as you know as a younger moviegoer going to the movies. I was so excited when that that logo moved into that South American mountain. And then that's when you get introduced to the character. Um, it just, it made such an impression for me. And again, what I said for the, for the matrix, it forever tied paramount to the Indiana Jones franchise for me. Uh, whenever I think of Indiana Jones, I will only think of the studio paramount. All right. Well, well they're all paramount. So that's, well, yeah, but, but the studio, I mean, but the studio branded itself. It, yeah. it like, yeah, it's like this. Like, I don't, I don't know how to put it. It's it's, it's like handshake it's like this, that. It's like the logo existed for that movie, like the movie. Like, oh, that's why the Paramount logo is a. Well, it's also because the Paramount logo. All these logos evolve over time, and the latest Paramount logo is this crazily photorealistic mountain with stars around it. Uh, but back then, the Paramount logo really had the look of like something you would see before a movie in the 1930s. Right. You know, it, it had this great antiquated yeah. look that totally tied into Raiders' pulp serial kind of vibe. Right. It worked on both levels. Yeah. yeah. It was really elegant. But there's also, if you watch the that opening part of it, and I don't know if this happens with other Paramount logos, and I don't think it happens with my runner-up, there's this weird camera shake that happens as the Paramount logo shows up with the mountain. It's like like they haven't locked down the camera perfectly. Um, it's weird. It's it's this weird, huh. and and it kind of fits into the the sort of the B movie sensibility or the serials that Steven Spielberg was going for when he first decided to make uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. So I love that. I love that the the way that overlays, and then the way it 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 just does this fade into that mountain in South America. I, God, I love that so much. So yeah. What's the other uh, Paramount Mountain fade in? The Temple uh, of Doom's gone. I don't want to give any. Uh... Yeah, my number two comes into play in Dingus's thing. Yeah, so I'll I'll, I'll give a I'll I'll, I'll, tell, I'll answer that after you know. I'll... All right, because well, my Dingus, reason. What's your number two favorite studio gimmick then? Studio logo gimmick, Dingus. All right, my number two is another Warner Brothers logo, um, and I love the way this works. Uh, uh, because of the theme of the movie and the way the movie's visuals play out. And this is from the movie Constantine uh, so from 2005. Um, and it's another Warner Brothers logo. And so the Warner Brothers logo spins up, but, th- but this time the Warner Brothers logo disintegrates. And it, it, in much the way that you see much of the things that happen in Constantine, like when he goes to hell or the, the way that, like, Things disintegrate in that movie in in the hell in the hellish things. So the logo dis- disintegrates and then it disintegrates into the village roadshow logo, which is that V V V V V thing uh, that you see. And then that further disintegrates into the next logo, which is the Vertigo slash DC Comics logo. And I just love that that the, that they use that logo to kind of set the terms, uh, or rather set the tone of the of this. This hellish disintegration, uh, putrid sort of idea that that things are falling apart in the world in Constantine, um, and I loved actually getting into Constantine again and see the way that logo sort of falls apart. Kelly, what is your number two favorite uh, studio logo gimmick? Okay, my number two. You're going to think I'm trolling at first, but you got to hear my case for it. Mm-hmm. 
My number two is the Paramount logo from Crystal Skull. But here's why. I have a, it was like... Well, what, only, is the, what is the gimmick? I don't think we know what it is. Dingus, do you remember it? Uh, no, I have no idea. You don't? Okay, it morphs into like a gopher hill. And then there's like a gopher that comes out. Okay. And I was... Now you made me hate my number one pick. Thing. No, no, wait. Here's the thing. Because yours made, when you were talking about the mountain, I was like, I, I realized that like each of them, each of the transitions is somehow a statement on the movie itself. Like Raiders of the Lost Ark really is a mountain. <laughs> and Temple of Doom is like, all right, it's a gog. It's artificial. It's not as cool as the mountain. So wait, what's the Temple of Doom one then? It goes from a, gong. the Paramount logo it, turns into a gong? How does that yeah, work? Well, because it opens that big musical number with Kit Capshaw singing. And but how does a mountain turn into a gong? No, the Paramount logo. The gong has the mountain on it. Oh, so, okay. Like you, you, you like morphs and do you see like ah, the, okay, the good. Uh, imprint on the gong? So Crystal Skull. Mm-hmm. When I wait, what like, about I, Last Crusade? That one I don't remember. Hmm, interesting. All right. I know I suck. Hopefully a listener picks all four of them and explains them. But I forgot the Last Crusade one. I'll be bummed if I find out later that it was better than this. But it's like the Crystal Skull logo. It was the Gopher Hill, and I remember like right before it comes on, going, "Oh, I hope." They do the Paramount thing, and then Wait, you, are these the little gophers that laugh? Like when when the isn't there isn't there a gopher gag in Crystal Skull? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they, they almost run over it, and then it winds up just being nothing. So this is a tie into the stupid gopher gag. Well, like I said, each each of them rep- is a statement on the movie, and ah. that winds up being <laughs> if you like, Rage of the Lost Ark is an actual mountain, and now Crystal Skull is basically a little crummy gopher hill. Right, right. That, and it's like it was also the last enjoyable moment of Crystal Skull, so I kind of want to cherish that one. Well, as you know, Dingus is technically right, but um, I went with Pathless Travel. All right, no, fair enough. Yeah, uh, my number two favorite is so subtle, uh, and I remember when I first saw the movie, I wasn't even sure. Like it definitely stood out as wait, this is a little weird. That's something different. That's not Something's the right off. color. Um, something was off. Um, and before the uh, the Universal logo for Lucy, the movie from last year with Scarlett Johansson, um, is completely normal, except that when it pulls all the way back from the planet Earth and the sun swings around a little bit behind it, the little tiny place where the sun is peeking around the Earth has a, a slightly purple tint to it. And that's the same color as the cells that we see dividing in the first part of the movie – and I think it recalls the scenes where we see this drug interacting with Scarlett Johansson's uh, cells and altering her. But it's so it's such this weird little touch that, that you wouldn't that you might not even consciously realize. But you've seen that logo so many times that when something minor like that, like like a, a sliver of color, yeah, it jumps out. Yeah, it's because so. you're not you never you're never really expecting to see it. So and you also have to be there when the movie starts. So you feel like you're, you're kind of lucky. You don't want to miss the studio logo. If you, if, yeah, if you come to a movie after the studio logo, you have not seen the movie yet. You right. have not seen the movie in its entirety. Therefore, you have not seen the movie. You have to start all over. You have to just wait yeah. till the next showing. Yeah. All right, Dingus, what's your, oh, Dingus, your number one is, is Raiders of the Lost Ark. So, Kelly Wan, that's you now. What is your favorite studio logo gimmick? My number one, and it was one I, I, could, I thought maybe I dreamed at first, but then I went back, and it's actually one of it's one of the clever. I, I you know what I like this topic for what I said before. So I was being dumb, but like, do you remember the opening of Orpon? 
Uh, wait, I don't even know what you're saying. Orpon. Orphan. Oh, 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 Orphan. Right, right, Orphan. No, no, I don't remember the Orphan logo. Oh, you don't remember? Okay, it's the Warner Brothers logo, but then it turns all weird and, like, psychedelic purple. Like, it's a, it's a, it's a foreshadowing of the, so, uh... So psychedelic purple? Well, no, remember in her room? Oh, the, the black light. Stuff. Right. Wait, yeah, yeah, it's like, like a, it's, like, fluorescent yeah, colors. Yeah, the Warner Brothers logo turns that. that color as, it, as the movie ah, starts. Ah, and you it don't know what it's about yet. until right. that reveal in the movie, right? Yeah, and you forget it, and then you're like, wait, oh, wait, what? And then it's such, like, a cool... And usually, I mean, I, there's a lot of cool horror ones, um... That is good. I didn't remember that. Dingus, did you remember that from Orphan? No, not at all. It is a good one. And like the ring and other ones, like they've done things where it's just like, like oh, the O in DreamWorks is a ring. Like that's an like that's all obvious stuff, and I appreciate that stuff. And the Grudge turns into the Grudge Girl, but like the Orphan really sticks out to me because it's like it doesn't make any sense until the end. Right. Right. So it's an investment, and I think that was kind of an interesting. Like they had to think of that. They had to go, wait, we should put this, make this purple. Like, I just always wondered whose call that was, like, whether it was a direct oh, yeah. thing. My, my son remembered a DreamWorks one this afternoon when, when I was working up my final my final choice. He's like, oh, this is one, and then he showed me a scene from a DreamWorks movie. Well, might as well tell us, yeah, what, what was that? Sorry, but it might be your number one, Tom, so I don't want to take that away. You think? It's not. It is not. My Tom's number one go. is the 20th Century Fox. What is the DreamWorks one that your son thought of? It's from, and he was like, you're not going to want to use this. He was a little embarrassed, but he remembered it. It's from this movie called Mr. Peabody and Sherman. Um, and the DreamWorks logo shows uh, Sherman fishing from the moon, and it shows mm-hmm. his face, and he showed me the, the clip from it. It's very clearly them messing with the logo for right. Mr. Peabody and Sherman. I think there have been a few different things that fish from the moon, if I'm not mistaken, that DreamWorks no. has played with with that. All right, well, for my, my number one, I've kind of cheated in that I have brought along the podcast equivalent of a visual aid. So I want you guys to tell me what movie is this from. Three. Very good. Uh, I, I love how it absolutely undermines any expectation for what you're about to hear. It's so disconcerting yeah. to hear that 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 famous trumpet trill or whatever it is uh, trail off in this weird, uncertain note and kind of fall apart and and just become this like horror movie sound effect. Yeah, it is. A, it's always been a weird sound because it's not the sound the alien makes. It's the sound the music makes when the characters realize they're in a horror movie. It's one way to look at it. Yeah, sure. So now the studio is in the horror movie too. But yeah, it's basically saying, you know, whatever you expect, you are now. And and so I've had this conversation with some folks recently uh, about, you know, how some people don't like Alien Three because they feel betrayed that uh, these two characters from Aliens, you know, at the beginning of the movie, David Fincher's like, you know what, they're dead. By the way. Uh, nothing else is going to happen with them, so we're just going to immediately kill these characters that, that survived the ordeal of the second movie that you're probably very fond of. They're now out of the picture. Uh, their death was very perfunctory, unceremonial. It would, uh, Off and, screen. Yeah, and they're just corpses now. Um, now you're going to hear them be vivisected. Yeah, and I love that he does that. Like I, I really have a lot of respect for Alien 3, even though it's got some clunky stuff. Um, 
and I, I just that that's what made me think of the topic too. By the way, I love how from the moment that the studio logo isn't doesn't wind up the way you expect it to wind up and the way you've heard it wind up, you know, a thousand times before. I love how that's that sets you that makes you uneasy from the very the very first moment. Of the You're movie. not going to enjoy yourself. Yeah, exactly. But then it's like they doesn't give us. Anything like if they're going to accept that challenge, like here we're going to kill off the two characters that you gave a shit about. Like it doesn't like replace them with even better characters or like give you bigger things. It just kind of like I don't. Okay. Yeah, I don't think that was on. I don't think that was on the agenda. Um, yeah. But um, but Bishop as a human, like that's it's that's what that tone's supposed to go. This is going to be the trick part later. Uh, you think that's what it's foreshadowing? Uh, I don't know. Aaron Kane writes, Hey, gents, all of my choices are goofs on the... And I don't know if this is a typo, but he says, All of my choices are goofs on the 10th Century Fox logo. Uh, number three, in the Simpson movie, Ralph Wiggum appears in the zero of 20th and sings along with the second half of the iconic fanfare. <laughs> Very shrill and off-key, of course. I remember that. Uh, number two. In the first three X-Men movies, at the end of the fanfare when the logo fades out, the X of Fox remains visible for a second longer as the screen goes black. Very nice. Oh. And then number one. Uh, here we go. In Alien 3, the logo and fanfare proceed without incident until the penultimate note, which is unnaturally prolonged, unnaturally prolonged, detuned, and joined by some creepy tremolo in the violins and a host of other dissonant notes from other instruments. It's effective and unsettling. Wait, which one? That's Alien? Alien 3, yeah. Uh, Wait a minute. P.S. Eager as he seems to sneak in strange brew, I hope Kelly Wan did not miss an opportunity to include the goof on the MGM lion at the beginning. I'm super predictable. Wow, Kelly Wan, he's got your number. I know. Really? Isn't that easy? Erwin Graves writes, uh, a lot of them came to mind immediately, but sometimes it was hard to remember what movie went with what studio logo. His number three, Alien 3. He says, it took me forever to figure out what movie it went with. Um, it's a cool, ominous touch that unfortunately was one of the better things about the movie. Uh, Erwin Graves number two, Moulin Rouge. Oh yeah, I like that one too. Once again, the 20th Century Fox logo and fanfare play, only now the logo is bordered as though it's appearing on a stage with a man conducting the orchestra playing the fanfare with exaggerated gestures. I feel this set the moon, the tone for the movie pretty well, but Erwin writes, I'm also a Moulin Rouge apologist. Yeah, me too. Awesome. Number one for Erwin Graves is The Mouse That Roared. I never saw that Peter Sellers movie. The Columbia Pictures woman appears as normal, but after a few seconds, glances down and is scared off her podium by a mouse walking around at her feet. But as she runs away, the torch she was holding remains wobbling in the air in front of the word Columbia. That should have been on the Departed studio. Ah, very good. Uh, Let's see. TJ, wait, I see if you read this in the air. If you could just use my first name, it would be appreciated. All right, well, TJ, we don't know your last name, so you're safe. It's Jay. Uh, TJ says his number three is the Lego movie, because everything is cooler when it's made out of Lego pieces. Yeah, it's a, it's, that's another Warner Brothers one. That's a great one. Yeah. 
Uh, TJ's number two pick, uh, Lilo and Stitch from Disney. <laughs> I didn't see that. The Castle Con- Oh, you should see Lilo and Stitch. Lilo and Stitch. Yeah. Uh, TJ writes, the castle comes into view normally, but instead of Tinkerbell arching over the castle, it's replaced by a green blinking beeping dot. A green light opens up over the entire logo, and it's sucked up as if it was inducted by an alien, abducted by an alien ship. Dust particles illuminated by the light are a nice touch. Uh, and then TJ's number one is Kung Fu Panda from DreamWorks. Uh, it begins with a cat in a conical hat carrying a bow staff. The cat quietly runs on the top of water and flips up a house into clouds <laughs> and lands on the crescent moon. The cat does a flourish with the bow staff and a fishing line drops into the clouds below. Why is it a cat? don't know uh he writes the line brings up the dreamworks name and when the name bumps the moon it is accompanied with a single gong hit Mm. this works so wonderfully because the transition from there is into a stylized dream to begin the movie so even the logo is helping ease the viewer into this new world that's okay tj Uh, paul weimer writes tom is right there are a lot of these so there kelly wand yeah, I'm dumb. Uh, let's see. Uh, Paul Is says... Is that all he wrote? <laughs> uh, yeah, and then he's done. Yeah. No, he says he picked three from movies where I like the logo, but not the actual movie itself. All right, Paul, fair enough. Uh-huh. Number three, in Men in Black, the Sony Pictures Torchbearer's Torch opening logo gives off a mind-erasing neutralizer flash. I think it's the second one. I think that's. Oh, no, no, you're right. And even says in Men in Black 2, yep. Oh. Uh, then Paul writes, pity it didn't actually work to neutralize me to forget the rest of a very weak sequel to Men in yeah. Black. See, it's a, it's a bad sign sometimes. It's lampshaded. Uh, Paul Weimer's number two pick in the sequels to The Matrix. In each of them, the Warner Brothers logo is replaced with a version that's made of the green on black Matrix computer code. All without us even getting to take the red pill first. For movies beyond the first, Paul writes, I'd have taken the blue pill instead. Yeah. Paul's number one pick in Van Helsing. Dingus would have guessed. The Earth Globe of Universal is in black and white, which makes the transition to the black and white opening scene of the movie all the smoother. Pity the color portion of the movie beyond the black and white is execrable. Ouch. I've never seen that movie, Tom, should I? You're a yeah. monster. Never seen it either. Yeah. Cool. You know, we're going to have to turn in our Hugh Jackman cards. Isn't that Stephen Summers? Probably. Sounds about right. Uh, Arthur Giovannangeli uh, his number three pick is the great Muppet Caper uses the traditional MGM logo but replaces Leo the Lion with Animal the Muppet who promptly begins to Uh. eat the border that surrounds him Uh. number two pick none of us on this podcast has seen Wreck-It Ralph is that correct? right because we don't know anything about video games it's not really a purview can't believe Dingus you still haven't seen Wreck-It Ralph? no I have not Hmm. All right. Uh, according to Arthur, the Walt Disney Animation Studio logo, which is usually a retro Mickey Mouse animation, is altered to look like retro video game clip, and the music is changed in a similar manner. The logo is not on screen very long, but it helps set the mood for one of the only good movies about video games. Hmm. Ouch. And Arthur, what about what? Stay alive. Is that about video? Oh, no, I was thinking of the Saturday Night Fever sequel. Oh, that's Staying Alive. Thank you. 
Uh, and then Arthur's number three pick, he actually picks a number three, a number two, and then a number three. Uh, his second number three pick is for Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Universal logo appears like it is a pixelated video game image, and the traditional Universal music is replaced by an 8-bit version of the intro jingle. This movie loves to reference older video games, and the logo is the first of many Easter eggs. Do we have a Scott Pilgrim versus the World apologist on this podcast? I like that logo. I like the... It's- I felt the same way about that that I did about Age of Ultron. It's like it opens kind of big and then... Alright. I'll have to tell the credits. Uh, Randy Connolly picks for his number three. Not really a modified production logo, he says, but a good transition from one. In Raiders of the Lost Ark, the Paramount Studios mountain logo quickly fades into an actual simile-shaped mountain in South America. Uh, Is that the actual mountain that Paramount based their logo on? No, they actually CG'd a mountain in South America to, yeah. for that sequence. It was the first use of CG in a movie. Not many people know that, Kelly Wand. I think you made all that up. You're right. You got me. Yeah. Randy Connolly's number two pick is The Matrix. This was the first time I objectively noted a modified production logo, Randy says. I went into this movie with abysmal expectations. All the ads I had seen were trench coats, sunglasses, and cool poses. And I couldn't figure out how the filmmakers convinced Warner to make this modification. Huh. And Randy's number one pick is also Wreck-It Ralph. <laughs> All right, we need to get on that, I guess. Uh, and then finally, Nick D. writes, oh, and he's given visual aids that will not work on the podcast, but uh, his number three pick is a lovely Warner Brothers logo uh, with this great Art Deco variation uh, that is from Great Gatsby. Oh, what? It looks so, lovely. I, I wish I could show it to you. It's in black and white. It's got all sorts of ornate uh, ornamentation around it. And hmm. it looks like there's a fancy GG sort of uh, logo off to the side. Is that a GG? The latest one? Oh, it's a JG for Jay Gatsby. Uh, yeah. I, oh, wait. I assume, yeah, it's got to be the latest one. Wait, you thought his initials? You thought his first name was Great? Well, I was thinking for Great Gats, like GG, but it's clearly a JG for JG. It is Cufflinks. Also, Warner Brothers, uh, Nick has included a screenshot of the Speed Racer logo for Warner mm. Brothers. Wow. He writes, it's a totally psychedelic version of the Warner Brothers logo. Perfect that. for a movie where ex-wrestler John Goodman pile drives a pantsless ninja. Whoa. What? Wait, did I just... Okay. That apparently happened. What about in the movie? And then Nick's number one pick, Argo. Argo begins with a regular old Warner Brothers logo, except it's the Saul Bass 70s version right. of the logo. See? He says it's hard to describe. It looks like three rounded stripes. And I'm looking at them here, and Nick is right. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. They've yeah, done that right with a the lot. Genocide. They've done that with a lot of movies here and there, that sort of binary-looking thing. Uh, all right, so what runners-up do you guys have? Because what's the other uh, Paramount Mountain one? The suspense is killing me. All right, um, I don't know. The, did you ever see South Park, Bigger, Longer, Uncut? I don't watch cartoons, Dingus. All right. Um, I actually went to see that. First time I saw that movie, and I, I freaking love this movie. Uh, I went to see it with one of the people who contributed this, this evening, uh, Mr. Kane. Um 
and that movie begins uh, with the the Paramount logo, and then it fades into a the animated uh, mountain in Colorado with a snow cap top to it. And I was I was surprised to see that because I I thought there was something at the beginning of the South Park movie. I just I just love that movie as a send up of 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 uh, and I don't watch the South Park show. I can't stand it actually. But I was so crazy about this movie because it's such a great has a great understanding of musicals and how musicals work and how musical uh, Broadway musicals and musical mo- movies work. Movies as musicals. And so the the beginning of the South Park bigger longer uncut movie that same fade into some sort of movie some sort of mountain that we're now going to pan down from happens as happens at the beginning of raiders it's a shame those guys wouldn't put their talent to work on an actual musical it is really a shame yeah like about mormonism so that's just really sad i feel like they have a lot to take it cannibalism i think they really could do something yeah um the only other runner-up i have would be uh, Batman. I thought it was just going to be Batman Begins because the Warner Brothers logo at the beginning of that is in black and white. Um, but I think most of the DC stuff, or at least most of the Batman stuff, the Warner Brothers logo is in black and white. So I, I just dropped it. Someone described to me recently, and I recently bought this and should have looked it up. Uh, apparently Sunshine does something fancy with the what? logo. Oh. Wait, which studio is it? 20th Century Fox, or it's a, it's Fox Searchlight, which is I think their, if I'm not mistaken, which is their little uh, indie branding thing. Oh yeah. But there's something about the sun goes backwards or comes from the yeah, yeah I forget. Uh, See, universally you have the Earth to mess with. There's something that happens at the beginning of the first Avengers movie with the logo too, but I can't what? remember. Oh. It's, yeah. What the Marvel thing? Yeah, well, but it's after the Marvel, you know, the Marvel like flipping pages thing. Then there's something that happens after that, but I can't remember what it is. And I hate that Marvel flipping together. pages thing, by the way. I like the sound. Uh, of it. it sound like a good flip, 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 flip. They should change every time, but I guess maybe that'd be too much work. It just reminds me that what we're about to watch comes from some dopey comic book. Oh, they were good. Some of them. Do you guys remember the Goonies trailer where it was like each letter of the word Goonies was like you? It was one of it was a Spielberg movie or a Richard Donner movie because it was did, trying did to show. You ask us if we remember the Goonies trailer because then the O was Omen. Like they had to. What was the line about Goonies from While We're Young, Dingus? Goonies is suddenly good now. We Is that like it? The- Was that the, the, the Goonies <laughs> reference? That's 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 the sum total of my knowledge about the Goonies at this point, pretty much. Yeah. With you. Um, Having never oh, seen the movie. I, I no one said Tron Legacy. It's the Tron one. Oh, Tron Legacy? What's that gimmick? What do it's they do? It's Disney. It's that Disney castle, but it, it's all Tron looking. Oh, okay. It's, it's all de-rezzed, right? Yeah. Okay. And then the ring, it's like it turns video. I never understood like why the ring character is like what her videotape thing is. Well, that's how she passes the curse along. Yeah, but why'd she pick videotape? Well, what else is she going to do? DVD, Blu-ray, internet. Laser uh, discs that you have to flip over halfway through and put... Telemarketing call. (laughs) Right, like, she's restricted to VHS. (laughs) Wait, what was your curse idea? Uh, I think my idea is that Dingus should tell us what next week's 3x3 is. (laughs) What do you got for us, Dingus? (laughs) All right. Uh, this one is uh, one that uh, that I decided on after watching a couple 
I, after watching one particular Marvel movie this week, uh, and I watched a bunch of Marvel movies this week because I was so excited to see Age of Ultron that I watched Iron Man and Iron Man three and Thor and oh what both Captain America movies. Yeah, yeah, I love. I mean, I love Thor now again. Seeing, I know, I think I'm the only one who liked both of those movies, but I really like the Thor movies. I really like them a lot, and I more and more appreciate Chris Hemsworth the more I watch them. Um, yeah, it sounds like Dingus is on the verge of watching Rush, that Ron Howard movie about race car drivers. <laughs> I don't remember him liking Thor: The Dark World. This is, I think he's been... no, no. I I did like Thor: The Dark World. You did? And I was the, you know, yeah, I was the. I think I was the only one who championed. I wanted to murder that movie. Yeah. I didn't. But I like the first. I thought, I thought it was a. It, there was a. You know, as much as I like the dude who plays the villain, I didn't really care for the villain at all. Oh yeah, that elf. It's dude. Christopher Eccleston. Yeah. I like Thor, the concept of Thor, but not the movies about Thor. But yeah, I, but. but Tiernan will back me up on this. Uh, anyway, and Tom Hiddleston just adds so much to those movies. I mean, it's just such a loss. And not having him in this movie. Anyway, um, so watching the first Iron Man movie, uh, do you guys remember how that – I don't know if you guys remember how that movie begins, but he's basically doing a weapons demonstration in Afghanistan. Uh, Yeah. And he's demonstrating this weapon called the Jericho. And the Jericho has all these little missiles that fly out and blow up like the entire countryside. And then he like takes his scotch on the rocks that comes out of this um, this magical – cooler that comes with every every one of the every t- every order of five billion dollars you get one of these coolers and he gets his chilled drink and he gets in the humvee he calls it the fun v and he rides with these soldiers and they're riding and they're like they want to take pictures with them and i was watching this with my son he's like are they going to take selfies but this is even before selfies was a thing to talk about but they're taking pictures of themselves and they and of course they get attacked um the soldiers in the humvees get killed tony stumbles out and uh, uh, a shell lands near him, and it has Stark Industries printed on the side. And he looks at it for a second, and then it blows up. And it knocks him back several several feet because it's an explosion, but he's the hero, so he's not going to die. And, um, and he's lying there on the ground, stunned from the explosion of this, this bomb going off with all the shrapnel. And he does that thing where he opens his shirt to reveal to us as filmgoers that, oh, He's wearing a magical vest that has, mo- for the most part, kept him alive. He's wearing a magical like vest, and that's one of those movie cliches where where a character gets shot, they're lying on the ground, and then they pull open their shirt to reveal to us, the moviegoers, and to nobody else, that they are wearing a bulletproof vest. Uh, and that's one of those movie cliches that uh, I think is really tired. But there's a ton of those. There's a ton of movie cliches that are really tired, worn out movie cliches. But Many times I just don't mind when a movie does a worn-out cliché. So this particular 3x3 is your favorite use of a worn-out movie cliché. Hmm, I'm thinking. That's pretty broad. Um, Yeah, it's very broad. That's good, Uh, though, probably. But I've been thinking about it for some time, and then when I saw it again in Iron Man, where he where he does that thing where he's squirming on the ground and he opens his shirt to reveal to us only 
I'm wearing a bulletproof vest. You need they do to it. know it before. Fury 7 even does it. That's how Every, scary. a lot of movies do it. And a lot of movies do a lot of the things that I'm talking about that, that I've got ideas about. So just think of your favorite movie cliches where it's, uh, where that's obviously cliche. We've seen that a ton of times before, but I just don't care. I love the way they use it in this particular instance. Oh, so you don't mean like, a cliche that we're okay with in general, but a specific no, no, no. instance of... Oh, oh, I'm glad you said that, Tom. Yeah, it's specifically okay in this instance. It's okay with me that they've done this, that, that he's opened his shirt to show the the vest in this particular instance. All right, I've seen that a thousand times before from a Lethal Weapon movie to whatever, but in this particular instance, I'm fine with it. Why is that one okay with you? I, that one is not okay with me. So oh, oh, I bad. see. It's oh. a bad. This is a bad example, but I'm. Uh, but this is what reminded me of a lot of different things that I that I think of. I, I should cringe at that, but uh, I'm going to forgive it here because I like the way I like the way they do it. And Dingus, how can listeners participate? All right, so listeners, please, if you have like favorite uh, uses of a cliche that probably should be unforgivable but you're willing to forgive it in this particular movie in this particular scene please send in your pick to three by three at quarter three dot com and that's the number three the letter x the number three at spelled out quarter to three dot com and do they have to pick three or can they just pick one or maybe two you can send in however many you have. We will probably only read three of them. Mm. If you have three of them, please send in your top three. It's best if you label them like the way we do, starting at three and going down two and one. Give just a tiny bit of justification, but you don't have to. Um, but if you only have one, send in one. That's fine with us. All right. And uh, next week, what are we going to see, Kelly Wand? Uh, since it's playing in Germany somewhere, we're going to see, or I'm going to see, you're going to see, and I'm going to try and see, True Story, starring Jonah Hill as a beleaguered reporter. Right, and not, as Dingus mentioned earlier, the, uh, the movie about the talking heads. That's True Stories, plural. This is only one true story. In this movie, there's only a single true story. It is not multiple <laughs> true stories. Oh, True Story, right. Yeah. It's uh, like Alien. Right, exactly. They might make a sequel, and then they would have to contend with the fact that there was, you know, David Byrne made this movie way uh, many years ago called True Stories, but for now it's just True Story. Uh, so see that. Stick around uh, for our discussion of uh, cliches that we've forgiven in specific instances, uh, and we'll see you next week. I'm Tom Chick. I've been joined by Christian Milensky. That's Christian Morosky. And we had with us Kelly Wand. Bye again, America. Let's try and do it right. Hey, Dingus, what has 142 teeth and holds back the Hulk? My zipper. You know, I really miss the days when the weirdest thing on the planet was me. Wait, it was the weirdest thing science had made. I don't know. Ask Noah.